Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. We can shift gears now and switch to Hosea. Hosea is a pretty interesting uh, book of the Bible um, because it's mostly a story and um, it's very personal story. Yes. Of the, the agony of an unfaithful mate. That's right. And so I'm, I think we, we, uh, I'd love to play that. I won't do it, but I'd love, I'll probably quote from it at the beginning uh, an old song from 1970 um, by Led Zeppelin. So um, it's yeah, another quote. It hey, hey, what can I do? Hey, hey, it's what kind can of a I blues do? rock song. Yeah, um, summarize the song for us. Well, you the song to... basically, and there's other secular songs like this about someone who I love a girl and I really love her, but she, uh, they use a, a British slang metaphor in the song. She balls around all the time, which is a metaphor for uh, sleeping around. And he's breaking his heart, the singer. You know, I've got this girl, I love her so much. And, you know, I've got to look, everyone's, there's a part, everyone in the evening, everyone's at home with the one they love. I walk the town, keep searching all around, looking for my street corner girl. And then the chorus is, I've got a woman, she wants to ball all day. I've got a woman, she won't be true. I've got a woman, stay drunk all the time. I got a little woman, she won't be true. The title's, hey, hey, what can I do? It's just despair over loving Someone who's unfaithful. It's Jose in a nutshell. It is. When you when you hear that song, you wonder if people went up to Led Zeppelin at some point or um one of the band members and said, Hey, that song is right from the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) No, my guess is no one ever did that because they had such a reputation. I don't know. You think somebody maybe. Maybe was, you know, Jimmy Page was he one of the was he the guitar player Jimmy and Page? he was into the occults and all kinds of things so there are reasons why you could say there would never have been but like this is a this is an example maybe or like reflection on Joel God uses these other nations to accomplish his purpose God could use a non secular non Christian rock band to say this is a message of heartbreak that completely resonates with my message in Hosea. Because it's like yeah. there's a part in the song at the end where the singer's kind of, you know, is bluesy, he's screaming out, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. And it's Hosea does that. There's a pattern in Hosea. It's like, I love you, but you're killing me, but I love you, but you're killing me. And yeah, no, yeah, the agony God faces. So anyway, that's I, the song. I read Hosea and I thought, that's, hey, hey, what can I do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think all truth is God's truth, right? And a That's lot right. of a lot of secular songs point us to truth. That's right. And, and are written about truth, whether or not the people are, you know, especially especially the the songs that are really impactful and emotional and um, the the best love songs probably point point us to God's love. Yeah, well, I think because the, the, everything we're doing as human beings on this earth is reflection of the, the one true story, the greater story, right? So we're like the, even if you're not a believer, they're distant echoes of the one great love your heart really longs for, right? And you're missing in your life, and so you can't help but reach out to that. And it's true, music and film and arts, um, the, the, so much of it are echoes that uh, you point to Christ, and point to the, the longing for the, the what God really had His plan for us. So. so we have listeners from all over the world 
as uh, we've talked about, some of them may not have ever read the book of Hosea. So can you just summarize? Um, so we're talking about it. Yeah. But um, can you just. Yeah. Quick summary. Quick summary. Hosea basically um, in chapter one, God says to him, as a, he's a prophet. Uh, and he says, I want you to go marry a, a wife of harlotry. Um, depends on your translation, but basically marry, I want you to marry a prostitute. And he does. He marries her, has three children with her. So he has a family, but she goes back to her ways and um, is very, as unfaithful to him as she was, you know, uh, when they got married, but then continue, goes back to that. And then in chapter three, she is um it has another lover that owns her and is selling her at auction and the uh gut-wrenching climax is in chapter three where god has hosea go he says go again and love a woman who is loved by her husband but yet but yet is an adulteress and has hosea go buy her back at auction so the outline of this i'm going to basically use uh, uh, uh tim keller because tim keller has a great talk on hosea and it's three quick basic points. This is our relationship is God is like our relationship with God is like a marriage. Our relationship with God is like a bad marriage. And then how God healed his marriage and what it cost him, which is huh. it sounds like a sermon because it is. It's a Tim Keller sermon. So it's really, yeah. really, really great. And then he goes into some detail. And then, you know, God is saying, look, your relationship with me is not just like a relationship with a king or a ruler or a father. They're all great metaphors for a relationship with me, but you're really not going to understand me until you understand that my, my relationship with you is like a marriage. And there's a number of passages that talk about this in Isaiah and other places where he says, I am like a husband to you. And, um, and very much, you know, of course, when Jesus comes, Jesus says, I'm the bridegroom and you are the bride. That is the kind of relationship you have. And Hosea is meant to be a, a book of empathy you're supposed to step into God's shoes and, and and say, I want you, I want you to, I want you to think about what it feels like for me when you're unfaithful to me. So and how is how is God. our relationship with God like a marriage? Well, so in a number of ways, Keller, of course, points this out. Says our, you know, marriage, of course, has to be your number one priority in life, or your whole life is messed up, right? If you make marriage your uh, a second, third, fourth priority, prior to something else, your life goes to be shambles. Uh, marriage is a relationship of intimacy. Your spouse loves you like no one else does. You can hide from lots of other people, you know, but your, your spouse will see these things in you that you're, you you were trying so cleverly to hide, but uh, they can see it in you and it's it all is revealed. So it's a, it's a marriage of intimacy yeah. and it's a, a relationship. These are just straight from Keller's talk. Their marriage is a relationship of life changing potency. Your spouse, your spouse has a unique power to define, heal, and affirm you. So you, everyone else can say, oh, you know, uh, 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 Greg, you are, you're great. You're fantastic. You're incredible. And your wife says, eh, it just shatters all that, right? <laughs> and uh, the other or, way around, or the, too. Or the opposite. Or the, the opposite. opposite. Everyone else can say you're a jerk. Um, you're a bad guy, da-da-da. But if your spouse affirms you. That's right. That's that's that matters a lot more. That's right. That's right. Because they, someone who knows you like no one else knows you, and they can affirm you, and all those other things people say about you can fade away, good or bad, because they're the one who has that real power to do that. And um, so anyway, there's this this 
great book of empathy where God says, I want you to step into my shoes and see and feel what it's like. So the feeling, if you're, if you're, if you're, um, you were married and you say, and this is a, our Bible study, by the way, is a men's Bible study. So I'm going to talk about it from a male perspective. Uh, if you're married and you remember your wedding day and you remember what it was like when you stood there at the altar and your wife first appeared in a traditional Western wedding ceremony, she would appear at the other end of the aisle, walk towards you in her wedding dress and the joy and the elation you felt seeing her in all her splendor. I think I would just want to, I would sweep her up in my arms. I would give my life for her and I, all that. So God says, I want you to feel the way I feel, which is so powerful because if you think of God just as like, he's my king and my ruler. And I, you know, um, I have this kind of relationship with him of like, uh, I'm his subject. I have to be obedient to him. What you're missing is God saying, I have this aesthetic experience when I see you. I have this unbelievable delight and joy in you, the way a bridegroom would for the bride, right? Yeah. I'm elated when I see you. I'm filled with joy when I see you. You don't understand how much God feels that way. And the lengths that he would go to show his love for us. That's right. You know, and, ties right. in ties right into the, the the powerful gospel message, you yeah. know. But also you don't know what it's like when you break my heart. Yeah. Yeah, and your conception of sin is far too small. When we you don't think about that very much. No. And um you're not just breaking his rules, you're breaking his heart. And yeah. you, you, you said, I want you to feel what it's like to be me. If you feel like that joy you have for your, your the elation you have for your bride, and then watch her be unfaithful with everybody. So and, let's talk about the, let's talk about, you know, the, the, obviously the second point that our relationship with God is like a bad marriage. So, yeah. and cause you, you're, you're getting into that, like yeah, the, the sinfulness. So what, what do we learn here? Well, in in the book, I mean, is there's parts that are kind of uh, implied a hint of that because they uh, they have three children together, and by the time they have the third one, the the uh, Hosea names the third one, not mine. I mean, so she's been unfaithful from the day he met her. And by the way, there's a theological controversy because some people will say, well, she was pure as the driven snow when they were married because God, will, but she later became um, unfaithful, and. Uh, it doesn't say that. In chapter one, it says, go marry a wife of harlotry. Uh, but they say, well, but God would never have commanded Hosea to actually do something like that. So there, so you, you say, I know it says that, but it doesn't mean that. It must be reinterpreted to say she was pure when they got married, but later fell into sin. There's all kinds of crazy stuff God told the prophets to do. Right. Yes. You know? So, um, yes, it's, I mean, it's... Uh, but the the message is the message is a powerful message, and by the way, it kind of it it does have a good ending, right? It does, but 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 this part about like was she was she faithful the day he married? If you reinterpret it that way, you're 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 missing the point, I think, of Hosea because he that God God's point of Hosea is look, I loved you despite the fact that you're unlovable. I love you with this intense burning love, not because you were good at the start and then went astray. You are yeah. dead in your trespasses and sins. You do not deserve this or that. Because I love you because I choose to love you. Yeah. You're right. It's not because you're so lovable. <laughs> that's the most, and that's the most powerful love. That's yes. the most powerful love of all. That's uh, that's the love that we all want. We we want to yes. be loved for 
for who we are, not because we do this or or um, because we're a certain. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's- like all these movies and books that'll say things like, here's a lover that knows all about you, knows how awkward you are and how messed up you are and how out of shape you are or ugly your your personal ugliness they know that and they love you anyway Mm. they know all that about you and they still love you that is and you see that they're depicted in books and movies and it's a real powerful love story when that comes out and that's hosea god saying i knew that about you from the get-go and yet i still love you and you're still breaking my heart when you go astray. So anyway, Hosea three is the big climax. Yeah, let's get there. Well, Hosea three, it says, you know, go again and love a woman. Let's here. I got it uh, written out here. Let me see if I can find it. The, the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other God and love raisin cakes, which was part of some uh, worship services for foreign gods. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And so the word picture, Tim Keller paints when he preaches on this. I won't be able to recreate and I don't really want to just try. Um, uh, Well, I'll try a little bit, but I I want to refer to it as a go listen to the sermon from Tim Keller because that's really good. But the, the word picture he creates, he said, is that at the time when she was sold, she's clearly She's fallen so far, not only is she unfaithful, she is actually owned by somebody else. Could be her pimp, could be just another lover that's used her up, but whatever it is, she's used up. She's no longer of any worth or value, even to this other lover. Maybe she's lost her sexual attractiveness. She's not. She's no longer worth anything, so she puts her for auction. And in that day and culture, she would have been stripped naked in a public square and held up for auction. And... If you imagine that event, the only thing someone like that at that time, where there's no dignity at all, would have like just closed her eyes and just try to endure and get through it. And then you hear the bidding start, two shekels, three shekels, four shekels. And then Hosea's, she would have heard Hosea's voice, her husband, her ex-husband, right. coming back, 10 shekels, 15 shekels. He outbids everybody. And she would have thought, oh my gosh, what are you doing here after all I've done to you? And everybody else, here's the other thing, everybody else in the town square would have thought, said, Hosea, you fool. In fact, in fact, people in the town square bidding are probably, it's these are small towns. These are not like big cities. Right. They're probably bidding and all slept with her. They're like, we've all used your, your, your wife. Man. Right? And here you are bidding for her again? You idiot, you fool. What does it matter with you? So it caught, it's such a humiliation for Hosea to go back in the town square, enter the square publicly, I'm going to buy her back. And he bids for her 15 shekels, 15 shekels and a homer and a half of barley. The me, Part of the meaning there is the average real price for a slave at the time was 30 shekels. She goes for half. Half, okay. To show you like that she's not. The, the she's bidding not, didn't go very high. No, no. She's used up. She's not of value to anybody else. No one's trying to outbid. She he gets 15. And then the barley is actually spiritually significant. I don't have it at my fingertips, but there are other verses that talk about barley as a, a grain offering um, for adulterous sin. 
Hmm. Uh, in some of the like, it, I'll have to find the cross reference, but other passages in the Bible. So barley has some meaning. It's not just oh, I, I threw some barley in on top. Like no, that's actually meant to be sacrificed for adultery. So, but but he, he buys her back, and then he says, "I'm going to take you back." And it says, uh, verse three. Then I said to her, "You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man." So I will also be toward you. So they've got to heal their relationship. But the, what? But the the, the metaphor is so poignant because he's saying, "I don't just want to buy you back and be my slave. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to restore our marriage, our family." It's like the prodigal son when he races back to the father and he says, I, you know, I, I'm not worthy to be your son. I just want to be your slave. And the father doesn't have any, doesn't want to hear it. He's, he runs, I ran to, runs to him and kisses him and says, your relationship with me is going to be restored as a son, not as a slave. And here it's the same thing in Hosea. Your relationship with me is going to be restored as my wife and we're going to, as a family, not as a slave. I bought you back at great price to myself, great humiliation could cost to myself. Wow. But as a wife, not as a slave, right? And I'm going to restore that relationship with you. Then, of course, brings you right to the gospel because you say, when did God ever do that? When did God, even in the Old Testament, if you read that, it's like, when did God ever enter the public market and at great cost to himself, buy back his people, Right. And of course, the answer is Jesus. The answer is the cross. Yeah, it's it, it's on the cross where Jesus paid that great price for himself to win his to win back his bride, to be the bridegroom. That's the restoration. So, it's such a gut wrenching, dramatic story. And I think part of it is this empathy of like, if you read it first, you could the first thing I think is again I'm, I'm going to speak from a male perspective. It's a men's Bible study. As men, you say, "Wow, that must have been really hard in Hosea." Go marry a prostitute. And you you put yourself in the story as Hosea. Mm. And the the real answer is we are Gomer. We are the prostitute in the story. Right? We we are God is Hosea. We are the recipients of completely unmerited, undeserved love. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com Stay tuned for our next episode and remember on your worst days you're never beyond the reach of God's grace and on your best days you're never beyond the need of God's grace See you next time